15. Thank you so much for having me and thank you to um, to all the people who've, who've spoken so far for their amazing and really heartfelt um, stories. I am going to share my screen with you because I have slides which I hope will work. Okay, hang on a second. There we go. Uh, hopefully that's working. Um, so when I was thinking about what to speak about this evening and you know how to sort of introduce people to my new book, The Race to the Future, there were several things um, that, that cropped up, but the idea that kept on surfacing was the idea of improbable um, journeys, not least because the race to the future has an incredibly improbable journey at its heart. So uh, the race to the future stars um, a, a journey that was proposed by a Parisian newspaper called Le Matin, who in January 1907 uh, announced on their front page that they wanted to challenge the um, automotive industry and uh, drivers um, across across the world to a challenge. They said that at the time cars were you know primarily being driven by the super wealthy and when they were being raced they were being raced on circular tracks and this was an insult to the new technology to this incredible um, new technology. They said that uh, you know if you know, the automotive industry was to have any hope of um, flourishing, it needed to be put to a stern test. And the test that they propose was a, um, a race from Peking, now, now Beijing, overland through the Russian Empire and to Paris. Um, this is a challenging um, journey to, to contemplate uh, even today, but in 1907, it really was um, the sternest challenge that the automobile had um, faced thus far. For the vast majority of this route, there would be no roads, um, there would be maybe um, tracks, um, you know, particularly in uh, Mongolia, uh, in the Mongolian plains, the rivers uh, changed each, you know, with, with the seasons, their, their courses weren't particularly set, and so there weren't, um, you know, accurate uh, maps that could be gotten hold of in, in Paris. Uh, so this was an enormous challenge, and not only were, were roads, uh, you know, pretty few and far between for about the first uh, two thirds of the race. There were also no, no petrol stations. This was predominantly going to be a, uh, a journey for um, petrol uh, fuel uh, cars. Uh, and, you know, you know, fuel cars need, need fuel. So in order to get around this, they had to load up uh, camels and and donkeys and mules with with petrol and take um, take the fuel to strategic locations in the Gobi Desert and and through the Russian Empire and and leave them there for the drivers to find. Um, as you can imagine, as this Parisian newspaper Le Matin started setting out um, this journey and 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 how it might work logistically, there were just 
howls of 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 derision um from most of the the world another newspaper compared the proposed uh, peaking to paris race as being akin to asking people to travel from rangoon to the moon um via telegraph wire and people didn't think it was it would be possible um part of the reason it was seen as a so profound and, and even ridiculous a challenge was that um five years um before five years before um this race was proposed in 1902 a around the world uh, journey had been begun um uh, dr lewis uh, set off from london intending to uh, travel uh, through Europe in, into the Russian Empire and, and onwards and, and all around the world. And he'd made it to Berlin in about three months and then got stuck um, just past Moscow. Um, the car that he was driving ran into a snowdrift and got stuck there. And, and that was the end of that. And this had been such a humiliating failure that it was referenced time and time again uh, by people talking about the peaking to Paris. Nevertheless, five cars did turn up to the start line in June 1907, after not much planning, and off they went. And my book uh, talks about uh, their journey, um, how they made it or didn't um, westwards uh, to Paris. Um, I suppose, spoiler alert, some of them did make it. Um, but this was a, a highly improbable journey. And, uh, you know, so I think that speaks for itself. Um, part of what made um, me want to talk about improbable journeys and part of what made the Peking to Paris challenge um, improbable all on its own was the, the automobile which uh, was still, you know, in its very kind of, in its adolescence um, in, in 1907. Uh, the technology for the car, I think, I should go back a bit, I think now we tend to think of automobiles as being kind of like, a, you know, of cars as being like the apex predator in a way, that they were, of course, the best method of transport. And so, of course, they won out over over everything else but in in 1907 this really didn't seem um to be the case that over the past century most countries have been concentrating on building railways and um and were still you know heavily reliant on animal power in fact animal power had increased um the need for animal power had increased with the railway because suddenly you have all these goods that are coming into to major transport hubs, and they need to go that last little little distance. So, so you know, the, you know, all these train companies had vast stables um, in order to 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 finish off that last little bit of transportation, and so this had a, a big impact on roads in a lot of places. So, roads that had been essential for riders, messengers, carts to get from A to B are suddenly looking really old fashioned. They're suddenly looking like, you know, a, a relic of the, of the past. And so particularly in, in places like you know Russia that were relatively well served by by trains, um, the Trans-Siberian Railway had, had been opened. 
you know, roads had been allowed to fall into disrepair and they were seen as sort of almost quite quaint. And the idea that a vehicle that absolutely required roads and more than that required really good roads, you know, um, automobiles in 1907 were, were fairly, um, you know, fairly prone to, to mishap, um, all drivers' guides and, and magazines of the time recommended that um, if you were going on, a, on any sort of um, trip, that you take with you a vast quantity of spare parts and tools in order to fix the inevitable problems that would surface along the way. And that was on good roads. Um, the thought that you would need to, that, you know, countries that had just invested huge amounts of money in building, you know, railways and canals and other transport systems would then have to go back and build competing um, systems of, of roads that would then have to be, you know, uh, uh, painstakingly updated and made smooth enough for automobiles really seemed, you know, pretty ridiculous. And this is why um, you find in 1907, people very confidently predicting that automobiles that uh, they sort of have, will find their, um, their level as being, um, you know, akin to, to motorized racehorses, something of a diversion, um, something um, that doesn't really have a great deal of practical function unless it's for, for leisure. Um, and, you know, this, this seems so strange to us today and it would change and and the peaking to paris race was was part of what helped the car make this improbable journey from um niche technology you know uh um something that the you know the economist wrote off um as being you know absolutely you know something that would was was bound to fail in contrast to the horse um, and that that prediction was made in 1907 they the car suddenly then became within a few short years something that was considered um pretty essential and you get this huge reordering of um cities um to be built around the needs of the automobile and um, and people who, who, who drive. Um, the third uh, improbable journey is, is the most personal one, and that's why I wanted to come to it um, last. And that is um, how I came to, to write this book. Um, as you heard from the introduction, uh, my previous books were on uh, colour and, and textiles. Um, I am not particularly mechanically minded. I, I don't know one end of the spanner um, from another. Uh, I'm ashamed to say I've, I've never had I've never had to change a tire, um, and I've never done I've never done so. Um, and so this seems like a very odd topic for for me to cover, um, but I completely fell in love with it uh, it drew me in and i had to i had to to write it uh, i found so many primary sources i was able to track down um the family members of the surviving family members of some of the, the original racers who 
kindly shared with me their memories, um, photograph albums um, and, and letters, which allowed me to uncover parts of the Peking to Paris story that had, had never been told before. I also had great ambitions um, to uh, to, to redo the journey with, with my husband. Um, and we bought um, a Toyota Land Cruiser, that's the middle picture, um, which we nicknamed, who we nicknamed Barbara. Uh, we took delivery of her in um, January uh, 2020. Uh, we, we then spent the next two years, like everyone else, um, very much trapped at home. Um, I you know, was was tearing my hair out, but luckily had done an awful lot of the research that I needed to do. Um, so was able to uh, to concentrate on writing the book, but but thought, okay, next year I'll be able to do the journey. Okay, next year um, I started learning Russian in order to feel like I was progressing in some way. And then um, in the autumn of uh, 2021, uh, just after I handed in the first draft of the book, I found out I was pregnant. I thought, okay, well, yes, you know, my 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 child will be born within days of, of uh, the the anniversary of the of the start of the race, and that is the best time to to do the journey because of the, the weather conditions. But you know, maybe maybe I can, you know, babies are said to be very portable at, at that age. Maybe I can still do the journey, and and then of course. Um, very sadly war broke out um and when russia invaded ukraine which um you know has has really um meant that the, the journey is is you know fundamentally uh postponed for the moment although i would still love to do it um one day so uh Although I haven't been able to, to to do the journey and to see the landscapes for myself, I was able to to get over myself, to realise that it wasn't about me, to return to the research, and to uh, write um, to write this book, which I'm very proud of. I I'm sure that um, avid uh, motorheads will find all sorts of mistakes I've made, but I'm so pleased to tell the story of the race. Um, and then also to draw out some of the the themes um, that make this story so um, incredible. You know, the development of the automobile, um, how horse-powered cities functioned in practice, and some of the incredible women who were right there at the very dawn of the motor age. Um, so, yes, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to me. I hope you um, enjoyed um, this talk. I know that the format doesn't allow for questions, but if you do have any, um, please do get in touch. Um, I would, I would love to hear from you. Thank you very much.